Welcome to the Locate 852 podcast, bringing you insights on how you can build and scale your business with social platforms. Hosted by the leading Facebook ad strategist in Hong Kong, entrepreneur, branding expert, and the founder of Locate 852, Chris Chung. Katie, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, it's great to finally connect. Um, for the people that aren't familiar with you or your story as of just yet, um, take us all the way back to even younger Katie. What was your, you know, what was your childhood like? What was your upbringing like? Oh man. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I love what you're doing. I love that you're bridging the gap right now, you know, coming from Hong Kong and then bridging the gap to the West coast, California. Um, where do I even begin? Um, as a young kid, I grew up in Massachusetts actually. Um, and I moved out to California when I was about six. Um, I moved to Carmel, small little beach town up north, um, kind of surrounded by a lot of, you know, retired people. It's not really an area where you would build wealth. It's where a lot of people go to retire once they've made a lot of money. So it was always actually really fascinating to me and inspirational, just, um, just being in that environment and growing up there. Um, so that was definitely kind of a, a unique childhood growing up in such a pretty place. Um, on one side of my family, my actually my great grandmother, we inherited a house from her there. Um, aside from that, I didn't really come from, you know, major wealth or money or anything. In fact, um, I, I, you know, I never inherited a penny. I created my own businesses starting when I was uh, about 22. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, did you know growing up that you wanted to just because of the, the surroundings that you saw that you wanted to start your own business, um, you want to go online or were you like, oh, no, more so the traditional path and say like, hey, I'm going to do well in school and then potentially get mm -hmm. a job for it down the line and then work up the corporate ladder. Right. Yeah. So it, initially back in high school, I thought I would go the traditional route. I mean, I really had no idea what I wanted to do um, starting maybe sophomore year of high school, probably around age 16 or so, I'd say. I wanted to get into psychology. I loved kind of, you know, seeing how people tick, how people think, um, how I can help people with their problems. You know, growing up, a lot of friends always came to me for advice um, and I'd give it freely. And so I thought, oh, hey, I might be, I might be good at this. Um, so then I went to a community college after I graduated, did not go the university route, um, spent about two years at a local community college. Um, you know, I was, I was an A student. I liked school, but I wasn't, I don't know, maybe it's because I didn't go to university. I didn't find it challenging enough. Um, and I wasn't really that passionate about it, to be honest. So I ended up dropping out of college after two years in um, I asked my mom, I'm like, mom, are you, are you going to be so upset with me? Are you, you know, will you be disappointed if I decide to leave school early um, and, you know, take a break? Because at that same time, I was dabbling in a few different online businesses. Again, I was like 22, um, you know, little baby entrepreneur just dabbling around in Facebook groups, figuring out what would work best for me. And then I stumbled upon one of my first Amazon mentors. Um, and long story short, from there, um, he trained me for about four weeks, private one-on-one. -on -one. And um, my first Amazon store ended up doing a lot better numbers than I had ever hoped for. 
And from was there, it better than your mentors? Um, <laughs> not, not in the first few years, but maybe, I don't know, maybe not, maybe now. Um, no, he's actually gone on to do some amazing things himself and yeah. probably bringing in, you know, eight or nine figures a year. So, um, hard to keep up with him actually. <laughs> um, so growing uh, up until that point, did you have, uh, do you, do you have siblings? I actually do not. Okay. So at 22, you started looking online and then you stumbled across just a, what was it? Was it an offer to do one-on-one or was it like? Yeah. So it was like, you know, the earlier Amazon selling days before it was, you know, more like super saturated. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that it's oversaturated now. It's just, it was easier to kind of hop in at that point in time. Um, so I entered, uh, entered the Amazon space you know, relatively early, but I saw this posting and I think this guy in this Facebook group was saying, Hey, I'm going to, you know, take a few people under my wing, personally mentor them and coach them for a few weeks. Um, and you know, let's see how you do. And I'm like, okay, why not? You know, I'm in college. I'm not super passionate about what I'm learning right now. And, um, I'm ready to take the leap. So were you familiar with the concept already of like how the entire FBA system works or were you just saying, no. hey, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wing it? Yeah, I, I actually got into it just saying, I'm going to wing it. I, you know, I did YouTube research like everybody initially does. And, um, and then I jumped right in, but it turns out I did have, you know, I kind of had a knack for that market um, and e-commerce in general now. So did you uh, have to, kind of, I wouldn't say like, well, actually, I will say, I think I was a natural at it. Um, you know, since then, I've actually mentored over 600 students from 10 different countries now. And there are some students who have more of a knack for it than others, I will say. What would you give us more context on that before I just want to diverge? What do you mean by when you say you, have, you were naturally better at it? What if you were if you had to pinpoint a few of those elements, what would you mm-hmm. say those are? Um, I'd say I think being resilient and very patient with product research because you're not gonna you know most likely you're not gonna find your winning product your first few weeks maybe not even first few months Um, so I think just the grit and resiliency and sticking with it um, I feel like not even the majority of people do that now Um, if they don't find you know the winning product in the first few weeks and start making money like right off the bat it's a scam yeah, it's a scam or yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, did you have to spend a fortune in order to do the one-on-one right off the bat or was it, uh, was it a different promo back then? Um, at that point in time, things were different. Um, I think, yeah, the person who first trained me charged maybe $2,000 for four, you know, one-on-one Skype sessions at the time, I think it was. So you know, fast forward to now, there's a lot more demand for passive income and learning these types of skills and Amazon selling. So I think, you know, personal, personalized mentorship prices now are quite higher, quite a bit higher. So you, you from not knowing anything, you for, for that one-on-one session that you, you went through, you have to pay two grand in order to, to do, you, of, of not having any sort of background of like understanding just the very basic knowledge of how FBA worked. What made you say, Hey, let me just pay this guy online that has supposedly, I guess, hopefully is going to show me the way. 
but let me just pay him two grand and, and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I think the, the separating factor or the distinguishing factor for me was he had a lot of people that were tagging him in posts with results. And it was that social proof and the testimonials on his own Facebook, personal Facebook page that kind of got me even more intrigued once I checked him out a bit more. Um, at that time, he was already starting to, um, as I come to realize now, establish his personal brand really early on. Um, and so, yeah, the social proof was really a big factor for me when I saw, you know, just random everyday people saying, wow, I made, you know, 3000 in profit this month, like, you know, zero to 3000. I'm like, oh, wow, that's, um, that's intriguing, you know? Um, and I hopped right in. I was less, I was also younger. So I was less skeptical <laughs> as, as I probably am now because, yeah. you know, the rise in just people, you know, internet users, we also see a rise in, um, scams and people who yep. are illegitimate. So, yep. Um, it was a little bit of a different time and that was only about six years ago now. Yeah. And so um, after after doing that, um, actually, just to take one step back for the people that are listening and aren't familiar actually with still don't understand what Amazon FBA is. Can you give a very, very kind of overall general explanation of how that works and why is it a, a, a business model that you've chosen? Yeah, so Amazon FBA, uh, basically Amazon has, you know, for a long time now allowed third-party sellers to hop on their platform. Um, there's a few different selling models you can utilize, like drop shipping. Uh, you can create your own private label brand, um, sell branded products, or you can do Amazon FBA, which, um, again, you can sell private label through FBA, or you can just resell um brands like you know nike adidas you know gucci you name it if you're an authorized reseller of that brand or you have an authorized distri- uh, distributor so um i began first of all with drop shipping and then i mixed in fba and now i'm i'd say i'm mostly doing fba at this point in time um but yeah it's definitely it was fun to dabble in a little bit of everything i found out i'm not that great with private label i'm way better just with um product research and going the traditional FBA route. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of interesting business models on Amazon. Gotcha. And so, okay. So you paid two grand and then you did this course over a couple of weeks and then you start to learn the ropes, um, of, of your general outline. And then what were, did you immediately, what, what was the next kind of couple steps? Did you start a store or, or were you just yeah. spending time doing research? Right. So where do I even start with this? <laughs> so he trained me on Skype for four weeks, you know, just one coaching session, one hour per week for four weeks. And then that was it. You know, I kind of, yeah, that was it. And then I was off to do my own thing. Um, ultimately, I mean, he helped me pick, I think my first few products, so I would get the hang of it. Right. So I could just kind of have some data points. <laughs> um, but then after that, I went on YouTube and I kind of had to draw conclusions and, and, just test, right? So I would have failing products. I'd have products that would sit there for 30 days and just would never sell. And so I'd have to clear out my inventory. Um, so just a lot of trial and error. Honestly, my first six months was so much trial and error. Um, but once you find a winning product, oh, wow, you, you know, make $10,000 in a month. And my mind was blown at that point. I'm like, okay. Um, so again, just a lot of trial and error and finding the right products. Um, finding the right distribution companies too and, and partners eventually. 
And are you still selling the same product? Do, or do you still sell that same product you're doing right now? Or is it, has that already fizzled away? That one has fizzled away. So the rankings, they're called on Amazon BSR. Um, the rankings are always changing on Amazon. No product is going to you know, remain ranked the same um, for so many factors, like you know, hundreds of thousands of products are added to the Amazon marketplace every month, I'd say, or every few months. So naturally rankings are going to change customer demand is going to change. Um, so my winning product, you know, six years ago is absolutely not my winning product right now. Um, last year, you know, during the pandemic, everyone was buying bread makers. So I sold a, a variety of bread makers, six figures in bread makers, all, like alone in just one month. It was crazy. So, you, you know, you get to keep up with a lot of product trends and Amazon Seller Central gives you a lot of data actually to actually analyze, which is nice too. So. Okay. So what was, okay. Since, since that winning product isn't a product anymore, do you mind sharing with us what, what that actually was? Um, I'm trying to think back to six years ago, what actually was my winning product? Um, definitely something in the home and furniture category, because that's what I listed a lot back then. Okay. Um, probably like a specific brand of dining table. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And what, I know. what, what really kind of, well, what made you like go that route? Like, was it was it like a specific research strategy or was it like, how are um, you? Initially I was taught and also for my own research, um, I wanted to sell items in the home category just because they're, they're evergreen products. People always need home goods and um, you know, items also with less moving parts. Um, so that, I guess that was a factor in my decision. Right. Um, and and so just the rankings. Gotcha. Um, for the first, so did you have your first kind of success and a little bit of taste of success first break, um, six months in or how long? Yeah. yeah, about six months in within six months, um, of opening my first Amazon store, I had generated just in revenue, um, uh, $10,000, um, in a month, which to me at the time, and that was just in revenue, right? Not profit. But at that time I was like, wow, like internet money, this is insane. You know, um, you know, coming from nothing, just like, just a, a college, a community college kid hanging out to all of a sudden seeing $10,000 on my screen, um, in the last 30 days of selling, um, that was kind of when my mind opened, I'm like, okay, I need to stick with this and just scale. If I can sell, you know, 300 units, why can't I sell 3000 and 30,000 and so on? Wow. Okay. So obviously 10 K in six months when, when that you did that 10 K in one month, it was like, we've made it, we've made it. We're, we're, we're done. We're set. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what did you do? Did you, were you able to then scale that upwards and how were you actually take one step back is how were you getting the the people in order to buy it was did you have to use traffic did you what, what kind of strategies were you implementing in order to get people to actually when, when you're testing to to prove it right so my first few years i'd say two or three years even i did not have to pay for traffic um or even do ppc on amazon i was finding products really that were hot selling with low competition based on, you know, a lot of AI tools and product research tools I would use on the Amazon marketplace. Um, you know, there's a ton out there, uh, especially now, my gosh, ever since then, you know, um, there's 
10 companies in my email inbox every day that want me to promote their, their seller tools, which is, it's amazing how far we've come since then, because there were only a few options back then. Um, but yeah, basically just looked at the ranking, didn't have to do PPC necessarily because it wasn't my own private label product that I had uploaded myself, like uh, my own listing. I was just hopping on as a third-party seller and making an offer, um, my offer under, you know, that brand's listing. And it was already ranked, right? So I didn't have to work on the SEO and ranking it myself, um, which was obviously really nice. So what else did you have to, in terms of cost, were you, did you have to spend money anywhere else um, it, since you didn't have to spend money on traffic? Right. Um, just like for picking, packing, and prepping items, really. Uh, once I started to do more FBA, um, obviously when I started with drop shipping, there's not nearly as many costs, right? Because you don't actually um, purchase the product until the customer buys from you. That's the whole premise of drop shipping. And obviously Shopify drop shipping has absolutely exploded, which I'll get to later. I, I started Shopify store soon after that as well. Gotcha. And so, okay, 10,000 uh, in that one month. So what was the next steps in order you took in order to scale that? Um, just more product research. I started, I hired my first VA from, I believe he was from Pakistan. Um, and, you know, now I have a team of almost a hundred and he's still one of them. He's, he's stuck with me for almost six years now. Wow. Um, he's my lead product research man. So, um, shout out to him. <laughs> So did you, uh, what did you do more, um, as in you diversified your product and do more or, or. Yeah. Yeah. So diversified my, my inventory listed, started listing hundreds of products. Um, I, I had to enroll in a, a service called payability, which is basically a funds forwarding service for e-commerce sellers allows you to get daily payouts ultimately, mm. uh, on weekdays. And so that helped me, you know, preserve capital, mm -hmm. you know, constantly have, um, have capital and cash flows and money for inventory, um, money to buy products when I was drop shipping. Um, so that allowed me to scale really, actually really quickly. Um, so about two years in, I generated my first seven figures on Amazon in revenue, that is. Um, and just kept scaling up from there. And were you doing that, uh, you know, six six months in, were you already full-time on this or were you still still doing some stuff? I was full-time on this, yeah. I put all my chips in this basket at that point in time, ultimately, because I had, again, I had just left college. And I'm like, okay, I need to double down on this and, and make this work. Like, um, it was almost like a necessity. Like, I have to make this work. There's no other option right now wow. for me. So it was, um, I was very motivated. I, I, I guess that finally paid off. Um, for <laughs> six months down, uh, $10,000 made, um, and then you continue to, to double down in order to scale, um, around that one year mark, where were you kind of at? Like, were you with, um, how many products or, or how much were you kind of doing just to give some ballpark figures? Right. Around the one year mark, I probably had about 70, 80 items in my inventory, um, I would recycle, I would recycle some and I would replace others that were stagnant and not selling. Um, so, and then my first year, I'm trying to remember, I believe I did about 120,000 in revenue, gotcha. which it's funny now there's, I see kids coming up and doing a million in their first year. It's nuts because they, you know, there's so many more, um, tools and, and mentorship programs to really accelerate that nowadays. But, 
um, I was pretty stoked. Yeah. My first year, um, I hit six figures in revenue and I told my parents they were, you know, freaking out. I mean, it sounds, it sounds really good, right? Oh, six figures. But, um, my profit margin was, you know, somewhere around uh, 18 to 20% at that point in time, uh, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't excellent either. What would you say would be, um, a healthy profit margin, especially from, for, for like, you know, Amazon and also I guess Shopify might be a little bit different just because the dropshipping model is slightly different. Um, but what kind of profit margin do you guys usually work with, which is like kind of the benchmark and what's like, Oh, you're doing good. Yeah. I'd say acceptable is 15%. Good is 20%. Excellent is, you know, 30 to 50%. Um, on private label items, I feel like there's more room, um, it, it really depends on the item, but there's more room to increase your profit margin because you're branding yourself. You can be seen as, you know, um, a luxury brand and you kind of have more control over your costs. Um, if you're manufacturing your own product, um, if you're just doing, you know, drop shipping, it, there's not, you don't have as much control and FBA, you have, I'd say a little bit more control. Um, so I say anywhere from 15 to 30% is you're doing pretty well. Um, 30 to 50%, you're absolutely crushing it. Um, so year one, you did, you know, six figures in revenue. Um, and then year two, uh, you 10X that and, and did over seven figures. Um, and by then, were you already, did you, obviously, you would probably have to hire people in order to help out. Um, and so how many, what, what was that kind of process look like? And how many people did you hire? Did you have to train them? Like, what mm -hmm. was it? There's trust, there's, there's money involved. <laughs> Yeah, so I went the um, the Upwork route starting out, and then I also went based off of referrals. Um, at that time, I was networking a lot in Facebook groups, um, had a ton of internet friends at that time who were starting companies um, who are who already were successful entrepreneurs, um, and got a lot of virtual assistant uh, recommendations from them. Um, so word of mouth, I feel like with that sort of thing, when it comes to trust, when it comes to your own capital is is really important so hearing it from you know the horse's mouth was was pretty powerful for me um and then of course just the upwork route i found some good reputable freelancers on there as well to do product research do customer service do a number of tasks um for the for the business and by that year two mark what was where were you spending the majority of your time? Were you still in the trenches of, of doing research or did you, you know, you've kind of figured that out. We're doing seven figures a year already. Let me get someone else to do, you know, just mm -hmm. follow my one, two, three step in order to do right. so. Like what, where were you spending your time? Yeah, most of my time at that point was spent training the virtual assistants because I wanted, at that point in time, I was like, okay, I want to explore more online businesses. This is basically almost running itself now, especially um, with the VAs doing most of the work. Um, so just, you know, hired more VAs um, as I saved up more capital and had more to spend, uh, optimized my time. And then I started coaching people. That's when I started, um, when I had more time. I started personally mentoring a few people for a higher price. And then I opened up just a, you know, um, a pre-recorded class with modules, which is, I still have it today. I just never promote it because I don't even have much time to, for the training um, other people anymore, um, unfortunately, because um, because of my new company, which you know, we can get into later. Yeah. Um, so 
by then you were hiring a lot of people, um, you were training a lot of people. Um, did you then, was that when you started to then slowly dive into dropshipping, Shopify, or was that still further down the line? Um, yeah, around that time I started a Shopify store as well. Um, Shopify dropshipping store. And at that time things were uh, obviously way less saturated back then before, you know, every YouTube. What year was this around? Um, what year was this? 2017. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 2017. And, um, and leading into 2018, that's when I was really, um, diving into the Shopify space and I opened up, um, you know, after my first successful Shopify store, I would just keep opening them up in different niches. I never, I never did a general store on Shopify because, um, I felt that would be more costly. I wanted to kind of, um, niche down and, and sell, um, more niche items that people would be really passionate about like I remember I watched Alex Becker's channel back in the day and he was selling wolf mugs I don't know if you remember that yes, phase I, I do I do yes he'd yes. always have the ads on about um uh let me sell you this wolf mugger I don't know yeah, it was something I, do, hilarious. I do remember that yes remember yes that. um and so I got you know inspiration from that I'm like oh what's a cool like funny viral like animal product and then I would just target animal lovers on um uh, you know Facebook ads um, and Instagram ads. And back then it was far less saturated and it was easier to make money um, on Shopify at the time. Um, um, and ads, you know, cheaper. Did you feel like the same process that you applied to have success with Amazon directly correlated towards your success with Shopify or was there like some, some differences um, in between? Yeah, I'd say there was a little bit of overlap, but overall, I, I learned a whole new set of skills with Shopify. With Shopify, I had to, um, I mean, Shopify, it's easy to set up the store. You don't have to have any coding knowledge, right? Unless you want, you know, a stellar, you know, custom built website. But um, I had to learn more SEO, um, like meta tags, meta descriptions, metadata, all that. Um, and then, of course, just how to hyper target on Facebook ads and Instagram ads and learn Google ads. Um, I did all that myself back in the day in, you know, 2017, which was, I, I loved it. I love learning. Um, I love kind of at that time, I love staying on the, staying on the forefront and learning different ad strategies and tactics and, you know, what's trendy, um, what will, you know, decrease our, our costs. And so um, it was a really interesting time. I learned a lot. Okay. That was a uh, year one, you did Amazon, year two, Amazon, and year three, you started to diversify into a little bit of drop shipping as well um, on Shopify. And then where does it go from there? Yeah. And then around that same time when I was doing Amazon and Shopify, um, I started coaching people doing one-on-one -on -one trainings. Then, you know, I didn't have as much time for that, made my own, you know, full-blown course on, on my own website. It was called Blessed to Sell. Um, and it was, an Amazon training incorporating drop shipping, FBA, private label, and digital marketing tactics. And I had a lot of you know good friends and entrepreneurs also hop into the training um, and, and give their knowledge as well. Um, and was that was that a big success for you or was that and then yeah the course itself I think I didn't promote it too much but that course generated six figures in revenue the first year of, of it launching. So, you know, info products were another um, good source of income. And sometimes they get a bad rap because half the time people making the info products aren't actually practicing what they preach 
and um, haven't had success in that industry themselves, which a big pet peeve of mine, <laughs> I won't go too much into that, but um, I think people appreciated the fact that if they did have a question or a problem, I would be, I'd be like, yep, I've been through the trenches. I've been, you know, I've incurred, yeah, basically I've, I've had all these obstacles in my face too, somewhere in my journey and I can help you with them um, with confidence. Okay. So you were making more and more money every single year. Um, were you being smart? Like just on, on a personal, personal standpoint, were you being smart with the money or were you spending it? Were you buying things that you shouldn't be buying? What were you doing with um, your personal finances? Yeah. So it's funny because before I had, you know, amassed a certain amount of, of money, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to buy my dream car. I'm going to go out and, you know, ball out basically when it, when I actually, you know, saved up a decent amount of capital, I've been very conservative, honestly, you know, I don't, I'm not really a big spender or shopper. My, my biggest purchase probably probably food. Like I love to eat out. I love good food. I love Michelin star restaurants. Um, but aside from that, I'm not really a big spender. I wouldn't okay. say just like the necessities, a, a cool car, a cool house that I'm good. Um, and then invest the rest really. And were you investing the rest in back into exactly what you were doing or were you investing or you're diversifying completely something else like real estate, uh, um, stocks or what were we doing? Yeah, I was, I was pretty, I started to <laughs> take it back. I started to become uh, more and more diversified. So um, for example, investing in my uh, self-employed IRA, Roth IRA, some crypto. Um, I started investing in crypto back in 2017. Um, just wanted to be as diversified as possible. I wasn't quite ready for real estate at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just investing it back into the businesses. Okay. So now um, you've grown, you know, you've done your stores and those run automated essentially already. Um, you've been trained people in order to do so. Um, and then you've built a coaching side of things where you've been taking on people with more courses. Um, and mm-hmm. then are you continuing to build more stores or where do you then go from there? So then about two years ago, I started thinking, okay, I've kind of got the Amazon thing down to a science. Why don't I make stores for other people and see if there's any interest there? Um, Was this already a thing back then that other people were doing? It was starting to become a thing. Yes. Yes. And my, my very first um, Amazon trainer started um, doing the automation thing. Um, with Amazon for Amazon drop shipping. And so I noticed that I took note of that and I, and I thought, okay, there's gotta be so many people out here with capital who lack time, but who want a passive income stream. And so I thought, okay, I've had success for about four or five years now. Why don't I launch my own Amazon automation service? Um, and so that's exactly what I did about two years ago. And is that the main focus that you're doing right now uh, with the same business? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My company is Elite Automation. We build and scale clients, profitable Amazon FBA stores from scratch. Uh, We also have been taking over a lot of uh, stores that were poorly managed by other companies. Um, We actually get a lot of inquiries about... um, stores that got suspended um, for a number of reasons that we then take over and manage and 
you know, make them healthy again, basically, and start um, setting them up with branded contracts. Um, we have, you know, contracts with some of the nation's hottest brands like, you know, Nike, Adidas, um, Gucci, you name it. So walk us through that process. Like if, if I were to then come to you and say, hey, Katie, I want to, you know, diversify some of, you know, what, what I'm doing right now. How does, how does working with you and your, your team look like? So basically we pre-qualify people on our website. So, um, you know, someone will probably see one of our ads or they'll just see my um, Instagram or we rank very high on Google as well for Amazon automation. So they'll click a link to our website, fill out the form. And basically that will allow us to pre-qualify them based on a number of factors. Um, you know, what they're currently doing for work, um, how much liquid capital they have saved up, um, see if they're kind of have a similar mindset and, and would be a good fit for the business model. Um, they then would book a call with one of our sales reps. If they, you know, they get explained, uh, we explain the service to them. If they like the service, then awesome. We'll send them presentations on it. We'll send them more information and um, a contract for them to review. If they, if they do want to move forward, we sign the contract and, and execute that and get started as soon as possible. Um, we can, we're in like constant communication with leads and clients. Um, and I think that's also one of the things that sets us apart a lot is we're transparent. We're not going to overpromise. Um, we'd rather overdeliver and underpromise and um, you know, constantly stay in communication with clients. So it's really important to us. How much does the person usually have to spend in order to, you know, build a, a, a successful store? Is that, is that a valid question? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, amongst, you know, automation providers, especially for FBA, not so much dropshipping, but FBA, because there's a lot more, um, that goes into it, a lot more overhead and the operation is just much more intricate than just say, you know, a dropshipping arbitrage type business. FBA, um, the buy-ins are typically higher with, with companies like ours, um, you know, starting at 30,000. And then the minimum inventory requirement we personally, um, we note in our presentations is 20,000, which isn't, you know, it's not too much, but that's definitely enough to have a good start. And we don't allocate the entire budget on the first order of inventory we you know spread it out over a few months so it's not it's not a shocking amount and so that the profits will start snowballing into you know month to month so when people spend that amount with you what what kind of like returns are they usually looking to to get is it like a, a percentage like a that that you guys like foresee this is the average that everyone is doing or, or like how does that look like yeah so the average profit margin for, for our items, it's pretty pretty good, around 20 to 25% on average. And then kind of like I was telling you earlier, we do sell a lot of seasonal items, which are our favorite. They typically have margins more so around 30, 35%, mm -hmm. um, on rare occasion, even higher. But a lot of those seasonal items will, will sell out quickly and also you know, make clients happy. They're pretty high margin. Um, but yeah, we have, you know, we have rough projection sheets we typically send over to leads if they're interested. Um, but again, we don't want to promise anything. And, you know, especially right now even. Um, but if someone is interested, then we'll definitely, definitely um, give them the projection sheet. Yeah, of course. Um, for 
the the entire setup you know still for over your essentially your, your career on, on online and your experiences with amazon fba and then drop shipping and then coaching and then now doing this over the past two years what are some of the you know the biggest lessons that you've learned on essentially the i wouldn't call them failures but what are the the biggest mm-hmm. downsides and then the lessons that you learn and you have to overcome in order to grow because look at listening to the first half of this you know podcast the majority of this podcast is it's only gone way up but i'm sure it's not right. only all up there must be peaks and valleys um so Absolutely. what are some of the biggest ones that that has really you know had to you had to overcome and adapt in order to push forward Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so many, right. I've made a lot of money. I've also lost a lot of money in, in a few poor investments. Um, you know, I myself have gotten scammed online. Like it's, it's the wild west out there. So, um, you know, that Instagram post, that's the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg. And that's all yes. people see yes. and, and underneath yes. is, you know, all these layers of failure, um, yep. you know, friends talking behind your back, you know, just all these obstacles, um, that is pretty accurate. Um, that, that picture. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty accurate picture. Um, so yeah, I have been scammed before by somebody I totally thought I could trust online. Um, I've lost money on certain products. Um, you know, most of them are winners, but you, if you're doing FBA alone, right. Like, um, and it's your first time, you'll probably have some losing products and you can be out a few thousand dollars into some people that's, you know, that's all that they have or they, that's a lot of money. And so, um, just, you know, loser products and let's see what else. Um, oh, started a, I, I got a product private labeled, uh, manufactured. I went through that whole process, you know, the manufacturing, manufacturing process overseas, had it shipped to the U S and ran ads for it and it did not sell. It took like a year for it to sell out of stock. So that was a flop and I was out, you know, 10 grand on that product. So things like that, um, that a lot of entrepreneurs who are successful will, you know, have absolutely experienced. Um, but having, I think a key, a key factor in determining if someone's going to be successful is resiliency, like bouncing back from adversity with little or no loss of enthusiasm like you flop you get back up like with no loss of enthusiasm I think that's so important um and it's a quality I know that's not natural for everyone for me it is I'm kind of like bubbly bouncy excited like maybe you know when I was younger maybe a little bit naive um but I think just getting back up, dusting yourself off and saying, hey, everyone makes mistakes and everyone who's 10 times as successful as I am has gone through the trenches too. Um, there's so many, you know, over the years, there's so many more, you know, the market's been super saturated with people that are teaching dropshipping, Amazon FBA, mm-hmm. um, all types of services as well. Um, for the listener that is just trying to get into it and they're trying to, you know, do their homework and their research, um, if, to see if this is something for them, what are some of the tips, um, that you would give them to make sure that they make the correct decision? Like in terms of choosing maybe the right mentor or the right training right. or, um, I would honestly, I'd look up to see if they have any, you know, testimonials on their website maybe, um, you know, unbiased testimonials on YouTube, if there's reviews out there, um, you know, what's floating around on the internet, what's floating around on maybe 
um, you know, in the Reddit groups, um, just try and do, just really do your due diligence. Maybe see if um, you could ask that mentor or coach or automation provider, if you could talk to one of their clients possibly or students and, you know, for some honest feedback about their experience with the course. Um, you just want to find someone who's probably as transparent as possible and who's not going to be, you know, promising something unrealistic. So um, I think especially now everything is so sensationalized and everything is clickbait, everything, you know, anything to get your attention. So just just know that the person who's under promising might be um, the most promising, I guess. Yes. Um, where do you see um, the, there is a two-part question. Where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Um, and then where do you see this, the, the Amazon and the Shopify, uh, trend going for the next five to 10 years? And do you see it still being a viable option? Um, so it's a kind of like a two-part question. Yeah. So I guess I'll talk about Amazon and Shopify first. I think in the next five years, e-commerce, you know, will continue to grow in saturation. I mean, it's very appealing to everyone. And again, YouTube and TikTok make, you know, these, these videos that are sensationalized and um, attract a lot of new sellers um, in one way that's bad and one in another way it's good because um, like competition wise, I feel like new sellers might be thrown off just by once they hop on and realize how saturated the market actually is, maybe they'll just, you know, give up sooner, I guess, which would reduce competition. But um, I think it's definitely Amazon, especially, and Shopify. They're both viable options for the next five years, at least. Um, just know that, especially if you're doing private label in particular, your ad cost is probably going to go up. <clears throat> and you'll probably need to spend more in ad dollars or just make your product really stand out. More creativity will be needed. Um, you know, just increased competition means you have to be better, right? Overall. And on the personal side? Okay, so let's see, in five years, oh man. Let's see, I hope, and we'll work toward, you know, growing my, my newest company, which is Elite Automation. Our goal is to have a thousand clients in the next two years. Um, right now we're in the, you know, over 140 right now. Um, and things are going pretty smoothly, knock on wood. Obviously there's, you know, there'll always be obstacles and marketplaces will, um, can and will throw a wrench um, sometimes, but ultimately just grow the business uh, more happy clients, um, and just continue to kind of help others see that they can make a passive income online, and you don't always have to go the traditional route, um, especially if, you know, our parents are of a different generation, and you don't have to always be, you know, a doctor or a lawyer to, to be successful. My last question for you is if you were to be stripped away of all of your money, resources, and network today, and you have to start all over again tomorrow, what are the first three things you would do and why? You get to keep your knowledge and your experience and your wisdom, naturally. 
Hmm. That's such a good question. Um, I would definitely go out and network with people who are like-minded and who are self-motivated. Um, because your network, obviously, probably heard this before, your network is your net worth. Um, so surrounding yourself with people who are supportive of you, um, not fake supportive, not talk about you behind your back supportive, like true, um, genuine friends that um, that would do anything for you, um, that you can build things with, um, with common interests, um, but also different skill sets. So um, I think that's really, that's really important. Um, probably also I would want to travel more and network in person in, more often. The internet is so wonderful. It's brought, you know, so many connections into my life that wouldn't have otherwise been there or I wouldn't have otherwise found. Um, but I think maybe starting to attend more networking events in person um, would be another big one. Katie, thank you so much for being on the show. For the people that want to keep up with what you're doing or even potentially work with you, where's the best place to find you? On my Instagram at katie.melissa for my website, elite-automation.com. And yeah, it was such a pleasure talking to you today, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on.